0: Have you ever had those weeks where you just feel wore out? Maybe this was your week, uh, just wore out. You know, this week was kind of that week for me, just physically drained, emotionally drained, fighting sickness. Uh, And sometimes in life, you know, we have those weeks where we just exhausted beyond what a vacation can cure, right? You get exhausted beyond the ability to fix it. Uh, there are times that we in our going through life and working hard and having family and, and doing all the things that are required of us. You just get to that moment where you're like, God, I need a break. Or uh, you, maybe you get to that place where you don't feel satisfied with life anymore. You can look back on life and say, how did I get here? I thought I'd be further in life than I am. I thought I'd, have, I'd be in a different place at this season of my life. And sometimes those moments... Uh, while we can have good moments, that bad moment sometimes can just dump over us like a cold bucket of water. You can have those moments. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? You can just, sometimes you're going along normal. I'm in that just rush of emotion like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Or I can't believe this is where I am. Or, man, I wish this would have happened. And uh, how many, you know, we have that commercial uh, for Staples. And I'm not endorsing a brand. But, you know, they have that make it easy button. You know, what I'm talking on that commercial when you just want one of those in life sometimes and someone comes in, you know, and, and is cranky. You just hit that button and they just go away or you have that moment where the bills come in. You just don't feel like paying it. And you hit that button. It just gets all easier. Uh, unfortunately, that is not what Christianity has to offer. But God is there. And we're going to talk about why sometimes we feel worn out and overwhelmed. Uh, and this has been the case through the ages. But I think over the last decades, even 100 years, with the fast-paced life that we live today, the Industrial Revolution, the rise of technology uh, today at an exponential rate, I think is overwhelming even to us and is captivating so many. And uh, think about this, you know, statistically over the last um, several decades, do you know that suicide has continued to be the 10th leading cause of death in America? Isn't that kind of... You'd think, you know, there's cancer and all these things, car accidents and stuff, but suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in America. The richest, most prosperous nation in the world with the best health care and the best all these things, and, and you know, everybody's got clean drinking water and all, we've got education, but we still, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. You know, even uh, Barna Research, uh, a couple of years ago, I think in 2006, uh, Barna stated that despite the growing social media that everyone is now connected, that through 1996 to 2006, loneliness statistically doubled in the United States. Isn't that hard to believe? More people connected now, but more people more lonely than ever. Uh, Facebook and all these things, while they are great, but the statistics say uh, today uh, that 60% of Americans fight worry and anxiety, 35% again say they're too busy and too stressed out. I think we could all raise our hands for that one. 30% claim that they're right now dealing with an emotional conflict in their life. There's something they're struggling with emotionally. And 20%, get this, 20% of Americans say they are secretly looking for an escape from their life. 20% are looking to get out of life. We go to video games We go to alcohol. We can go to pornography. We can go to bad relationship after bad relationship. We can go to buying boats and jet skis and four-wheelers. We can go on vacations and trips. We can build the biggest houses. And all of these things people are still doing and still saying, I still can't get away from it. I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy in my job. I'm not happy with the way I look. I'm not happy with myself. And this is the status of the world today in the most prosperous nation on the planet, and in the history of man. We are the most blessed people in the history of the man. We have uh, go back to every empire before us. America has got it all, more than any nation ever before, and yet we're still just as lonely, still just as unhappy, still wanting more. Why? Why is this? Until we understand what we've lost... Until we understand what we lost, which we're going to talk about today, what those things are, which was a relationship where God was our reason for being, where those relationships were built on His perfect love, and where we were submitted to His divine rules, we'll never understand what we're going to gain in Jesus Christ. Until you knew and know what you have lost without God, you'll never appreciate, you'll never truly understand what you'll gain in Jesus Christ. There's a reason the Bible says repent and then believe, because you have to come to an awareness of who you are without God. And that is the reason for Genesis chapter 2. The reason you and I have to understand, before we can understand who God is and what He's done for us, we have to understand what we have done and who we are without Him. So, until we understand what we lost, we'll not understand what we gain in Christ. Let's look at the story of the garden today. On uh, Genesis chapter 1 through 3, we find this story of creation. And Genesis 1 gives this broad overview, and then Genesis 2 now digs into that sixth day, the man's creation, his purpose. And then Genesis 3 digs into man's fall. We're not going to have time to go into all the reading today, but I do want to read some of it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Just follow along with me this morning. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed, and verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded man saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for a man to be alone, and I will make him a helper suitable for him. And we see that God uh, in that moment, uh, after that verse, causes Adam to name all the animals. And they searched through all the animals, and they still haven't found a helper. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. What really made the Garden of Eden so special? What was it about paradise that made it paradise? I'm going to give you three things. And these three things you can write down and keep with us through the whole story uh, that are really going to uh, come through every passage we look at. And the one is this. God defined our reason. The number one reason the paradise was special, that Eden was special, that this this moment with God was so special is that God defined our reason for being. God had taken man, he says, this is the purpose I have for your life, this is what I want you to do, and this is who you are in me. And if you'll notice in that passage, it says that he formed him out of the ground and then he put him in the garden. What God was doing is he was transplanting Adam into a place of privileged position that Adam became a steward over all of God's creation. And in in Eden, it was a special place, a special garden, a place where the presence of God came to dwell and be. And so Adam is moved. He's moved from where he is made out of the earth and he's put into a place and he has a reason for being he has a purpose and God has a plan for his life and Adam's role was to fulfill that purpose that God had ordained him so we see that there's this uh, you know there's something about knowing your purpose in life there's something about knowing why you are made and what you are made for and who God is and who God is in you and we see in that moment Adam had the breath of God living in him So there's this awesome communion with God, the way that you and I were meant to be. You were meant to not only be with God, but God was meant to be in you. That's how you were designed. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the planet is designed by God for this purpose. So God defined our reason. That was to be uh, doing a purpose in the presence of God. He was our sole focus and source. He was our source of life, our Everything came from God. My love came from God. My joy came from God. My power came from God. All in that place of paradise. So God was our reason. Number two, God defined our relationship. In this moment, we find God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh uh, in this, we see that from Genesis chapter one, the Spirit of God hovered, the logos was speaking the Word into ex- the world into existence. God the Father was all organizing it, and in this moment, we see God and Adam uh, and Eve in this place, and man is unlike the animals and the Formed by God's very hand with his breath, they're made in God's image. That's that image that we're talking about, that they're made as a spiritual being with God into this special place of fellowship, unlike anybody else. And God blesses them and God communes with them. And man begins to walk with God daily in this spiritual communion, and it's this place of worship. And Eve is coming of Adam. So there's this unity with God and man, and now there's this unlike. Un, un, Unlike any other animal before, unlike any like, creature before, Eve, this is important. God could have spoke Eve to existence. He could have formed her out of the dust on her own, and she would have been a, just like he made two jaguars. God made one jaguar and another jaguar by the spoken word of God. But here, God formed Adam, and he could have formed Eve on her own too, but he didn't because she has a purpose with him. And the covenant that was with Adam now becomes with Eve and the identity that God had with himself. You think of it this way, uh, and whatever your perspective on the Trinity, that we know that there is one God, but he's revealed himself as the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In the same way, God is teaching man in this moment, this unity of fellowship and spirit and Adam now has fellowship with God, and now he has fellowship with Eve. And there you see this triangle begin to form, that he is one with his wife, and she is one with him. In that moment, Adam and Eve could not argue. Isn't that hard to believe, husband and wife? They couldn't argue. It was impossible to argue with their spouse. They could not think of sin. They could not lust. They could not be angry at one another. She couldn't even burn the toast. It was impossible, and, you know. Maybe not to that degree. But that's kind of the idea, that there was just complete fellowship. What one thought, the other thought, what one wanted, the other wanted. He was to please her, and she was to please him. And then they were both to please God. So God becomes like the top of the triangle. And man is over here on the other corner at the bottom, and the woman is there on the other corner. And there's this perfect symmetry and perfect harmony with them together, side to side, and them with God, top to bottom. And so God then defined the relationship, and Adam was even taught that he needed Eve. You look back in the passage we just read, God said "God in his sovereignty knew he'd have to make Eve eventually, right? But he didn't tell Adam that. He says, I know I need to make a helpmate for him, but let me have him go through all these animals and see if he finds anything suitable for him. And Adam comes back to God and says, no, I didn't find anybody that can help me do all the things you wanted me to do, God, and fulfill my purpose for my life. He says, that's okay. I've got somebody in mind for you. And so, I'm going to take somebody of you, bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh, and she'll be one with you, and you'll be joined together. So, God was, in a sense, teaching Adam, hey, you need this woman. You need her. She's a part of you. She's one with you, and her role is to help you fulfill your purpose. Your purpose is the same. So, there's our reason. There's our relationship, perfect love, the perfect triune relationship, and again, it illustrates the triune relationship of God within himself. So that God's our reason, God's defining our relationship, and God defines our rules. There's, there's all these things God gave them. So all these, man, you can do whatever you want to do. You can build a house over here. You can build a house over there. There's nobody else. It's all. You ain't got to call Century 21. It's all vacant. It's just y'all, right? So he can do whatever you want to do. You can name the animals, anything you want to name the animals. I don't care what you name them. And that's why we get things like platypus and things like that today probably. You know, just go with it, bro. You know, just have fun. And so, he can, man, you can do anything you want to do. This world is yours. Lord over it. Just be a good steward of it. Cultivate it. And it's not going to, man, it's not going to be hard on your back. You know, the, I mean, it's just going to grow on its own. You plant that tomato plant, man, it's going to give you the best tomatoes ever. You know, it's just going to happen. And so, God is doing this stuff in their life, and God is defining these rules, and man is simply there to worship and obey God. And there was purpose, and there was work, and I mean, they rested in the Lord every evening, and there was safety, and there was security. But there was also something else. There was order, authority, and there were some do's and don'ts. You can do anything you want to do. Just don't go past this mark. Here's the line. In this place of blessing, you can do whatever you want to do. But beyond where I've set the boundaries, you cannot go here. As for your safety, not mine. This is for your protection, not mine. You know, sometimes we, like to live in the, we want to live in that place of blessing, but we also want all of the things that we can do on our own, right? Like God has set this order in place. He says, don't eat of what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to peer into this Pandora's box where you can see everything good and everything evil. Right now, just stay where you are and enjoy the blessing of God. would it is sometimes it's just wonderful to get life to that simplicity? And so there's a problem, though. Henry Cloud, he's an author of many books. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud wrote the book Boundaries. He wrote a book called How People Grow, and a lot of this is, is in his book. Probably one of the best books on the uh, the first three chapters on the garden and the reason mankind is in the status we're in today. But he says this: he says a purposed life and submission to God are one and the same. A purposed life and submission to God are one and the same. You cannot have a purpose in this life and not submit to God. You, if you submit to God, you'll have a purpose. And it works both ways. You can't try to define your purpose without submitting to God. And so let's talk about the fall. So we have paradise, and we've got paradise lost. What happened? Let's look in this verse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. We find that this serpent, this crafty being, and we learn later, possessed by the devil, the deceiver... Begins to tempt Eve and he meant he begins to cause her to question the word of God. He begins to twist it and say, well, you surely shouldn't die. And of course, he knew the real answer. Yeah, you won't die physically, but you'll die spiritually. He knew this and he's tempting her and he begins to say, are you sure that's what God said? Are you really sure? Maybe he's thinking, you know, you want to be like God and God wants you to be like him. And he begins to go just like Jesus and uh, the devil in the wilderness begins to pull all these tricks of the trade out. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So that's all true. She, looked, she took from its fruit and ate, and gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And note, it happened after both of them ate, that the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew, they had knowledge, that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, which are pretty itchy, by the way, and made themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, and basically that means the wind of the Lord came in, and the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Man, what a sad day. What a sad day among the trees of the garden. The irony is the serpent said they'd be like God, but instead they became less of themselves. Instead of uh, being like God, they already had it all. They were in communion with him. They had fellowship with him. So Satan loves to twist the truth. And they had it all, but yet they wanted more. Isn't that an ultimate san- sin of mankind? Well, you can have everything and still want more. You can have the most beautiful spouse, the best kids, the most money, and still not be satisfied. We we always seem to want more, and so they lost it all when they doubted God's word. They wanted more, and in turn, they lost it all because they doubted God's word. Henry Cloud said, "In trying to become like God, we became less of ourselves." In that moment, what happened? John tells us it was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life came into the world. All of our hearts, Jeremiah said, became deceitful and desperately sick. Ephesians tells us that we became a darkened in our understanding in that moment. We were immediately excluded from the life of God because ignorance now came in us. Isn't that ironic? The tree of knowledge brought us ignorance to the things of God. Everything began to unravel. Everything in that moment was undone. Before, they were naked and unashamed, and they had intimacy with God, and they were in His presence. Now, they were clothed and ashamed. How ironic. They were naked and under shame. Now they're clothed and ashamed. They were with the presence of God and in his uh, spiritual life. Now they were cast out from the presence of God in spiritual death. They had all the truth of God at their beck and call, all that they wanted. Now they were lost in the ignorance and the blindness of sin. Their eyes were open to the things of God before. Now their eyes were closed to the things of God, open to the things of sin. Everything. Undid in that moment. You must understand that. There was nothing that was done that was not undone. Every part was broken. Every part. That's why we can say there is nothing good in us. There is nothing good in this world anymore. There is no such thing as love in this world. There is no such thing as peace in this world. There is no such thing as hope in this world. Because everything was broken. You cannot come to God thinking there is anything good in you. You cannot come to God thinking you know what love is. You cannot come to God thinking you can have any kind of peace apart from God because in that moment, it was all broken. Everything broke in that moment. God's love was with them, but now they hid themselves in fear. They were spiritually alive, but now spiritually dead. And let me go back to those three things, a reason, relationship, and rules, because these are going to sum up what we've broken. We lost in that moment our reason for being. God was no longer our provider. God was no longer, no longer our purpose giver, our power giver. At that moment, what rose up in our heart, it was this. I know what I'm doing. I can do this. I got this. If I just try harder, if I just work harder, if I just put some loincloths over me, if I can just fix this. Every time we get into sin, every time we, we uh, do something, we just try to cover it up. We just try to try harder. We just try to, oh, if I can just, you know, do this or do that, if I can do this a little bit better, just do that a little bit better, if I just switch the situation around, if I get a different job, a different spouse, maybe if I just do this differently or that differently, I'll make it work. But no, it was broken. We thought we were in control. We were kicked out of the presence of God. Our reason for being was gone, and we were kicked out of a place of rest. In that moment in the garden, every day, there was no, in that place where there was, uh, when Adam was working, he would not get weary or tired. And every evening, he would rest in the presence of God. Even, he wasn't even tired, but he'd still rest in the presence of God every day. We lost the rest. Jesus would come later on, tell us about the Sabbath day, but what we lost that day was the Sabbath day. We lost the seventh day with God. He created the seventh day and he put man in the garden. And we lost the seventh day on that day. We lost the presence of God. We lost our rest. And so we lost our purpose. We lost our identity. We lost our reason for existing. We had no reason to even exist anymore. We were the only thing in creation that said we don't care about our creator. We know we can live life apart from him. And all the earth is singing to the glory of God. This is our God. The mountains are glorifying. The birds are singing. And yet man is saying, I can do this on my own. I got this. I am me. I am good. I am enough. I am self-sufficient. I am me. And today, there's a reason we're working and we're weary and we're tired. Genesis 3.17, God comes to man. He says, curse is the ground because of you. In toil, you're going to eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. We'll eat of the plants. Uh, you'll eat of the plants of the field, and it'll be by the sweat of your face you'll eat bread. Till you return from ground, because if you were taken, and from dust you shall return. <laughs> what happens, and we see this story. Remember, God had taken Adam, formed him out of the ground, and then he had taken him over here to the garden which faced east, uh, which we kind of can theorize it was in the country land of Israel today. And where God would later send Adam or Abraham. And so God takes Adam and puts him in that place of the garden. But then when he falls, he kicks him out. What happens in that moment, Adam had in this place and the presence and the purpose of God was kicked out of the presence and the purpose of God. And he says, now you're going to be weary. You're going to be tired. It's going to be hurting. Your hands are going to bleed. Your mind is going to be weary. Your daily tasks are going to seem meaningless at night. Ecclesiastes says our mind now does not even rest. You try to provide for your family, but it's never enough. You try to work hard to have a good marriage, but it's never enough. You try to have all the answers, but there's still only more questions, and you feel like quitting, but you can't. This is all the curse. They wonder why people are popping pills at a record level today, why people are talking to psychologists until the cows come home about their moms, because it's all part of the curse. What we need is to get back to the garden with God. You are not made to be self-sustainable. You are not made to be self-sufficient. And let me tell you today, contrary to popular psychology, finding God inside yourself is not possible. Looking inside yourself for purpose and identity and value is not possible. What the world is saying today, oh, just be the best you you can be. Let me tell you, there is no goodness in you. There is no purpose in you. There's no identity in you except through Jesus Christ. You can't look inside yourself and be a powerful woman. You can't look inside yourself and be a powerful man. You can't look within like all of Hollywood would tell you today. Because you're not made to be the reason for being. We lost our reason for being. Number two, we lost our relationship. In that moment, God no longer defined our relationship. Relationship at that that place was built on what God desired. It was built on his plan for our life, but now it was built on what they desired. Since now we look at all the problems in relationships today, on, specifically on marriages and families, that moment they became separated from God's relationship. You notice they became, Scripture says they were alone and afraid. They, they were isolated, hid, and afraid of God. Once they just before joyfully walked into His presence every day, and now they hid from it. We wonder and we ask questions, does God love me? Oh, He's a judge. He's a God with a big stick waiting to hit me on the head. You know why? Because that's what we feel under the wrath of God. We don't understand His grace. We lost that understanding of being in His grace. So now we fear God. We know there's something innate in us that we fear God. Man uh, across the, the world today is riding in the streets against the law and the order of God. We People are hating Christianity are hating religion today because there's something innate in them that knows that they're under the wrath of God because it's inside of us. So they're alone and afraid. And though they were made in the image of God, They were no longer with God. It's like having a a piece of something in the wrong place. You know, you can have like a a, a board game and it doesn't have all the pieces. You know, like you go, you play family board game or you get family night out and you go to get that Monopoly or whatever out and you notice you can't really play the game because all the pieces aren't there. Somebody, some kid somewhere, put it in somewhere other box, right? And it's kind of frustrating for OCD people like myself. You know, Uh, but it's like, you're made in the identity of God, in the image of God, but now you're no longer with Him. You have no place. You have no purpose. You're like the lost toys in the Rudolph cartoon on the island where nobody, the unwanted toys or whatever it's called, the Misfit Toy Island, right? It's like there's a place. We're not where we should be. And we wonder, people go through uh, addiction or they go through recovery and we find out you're like, oh, now I get it. This is what I was made for. I don't... Before you were were lost and you were looking for love in all the wrong places. You were looking for belonging and peace in all the wrong places. And it's because you're not where you're supposed to be. Because you were separated from God. Colossians says you are alienated enemies of God. And then they were separated from each other. They were hidden from one another. Before they had this perfect intimacy. Man, Adam and Eve could tell each other anything. Man, they, they could trust each other. Man, you know, it's like, hey, you got boogers in your nose. I mean, it's like, you know, they had that kind of closeness that only people have been married for a long time get, right? I'm joking. Probably, but they didn't even have those because it was the garden, right? Uh, no, it's like they had everything, perfect intimacy, perfect trust, and all of that was gone. You know what happened then? I wonder if he loves me. Man, is she, is she really into me like she used to be? Oh, I really want to tell him this, but I don't know how he's going to respond. I really want to tell her this, I don't know how she's going to respond. Man, I wish we would be like we used to be. We never talk like we used to talk anymore. We never do things like we used to do things anymore. And yet, they never communicate, and it just begins to separate. Man, I really wish, well, we just never had that conversation. Intimacy gone. He never does things I like to do. She never does things like I like to do. I wish, da 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 You know why? It's because of the fall. It's all in there because of the fall. Their hearts began guarded from another. Body image became a thing. They never even thought about their abs or their butt or all those things that Hollywood thinks about today. They didn't think about any of that stuff. It didn't matter. Right? It was all that came in. I wonder, does he like me? Am I good enough? Do I look good in this? Now, clothes came into. Here's the problem fashion was not part of the garden, right? Uh, it all became what are we wearing? What should I wear? And all this kind of stuff came into the world. And it gets to the place where God begins to say, hey, what happened? And what happens? Adam says something heartbreaking. He says, well, it's because of the woman you gave me, God. You know what that means? She's a mistake. He was trying to teach Adam, "Hey Adam, you need this person in your life. This person is for you. It's part of you. She's one with you. There's nothing that can break you. What God has joined together, let no man separate." is what scripture says. And she's a mistake. Today, probably you've been in those relationships where someone's told you you are a mistake. You're not good enough. It's all because of the fall. Let me tell you something. When God made you, you were not a mistake. You have a purpose and a plan. And I pray for you, a godly man or woman in your life, to help you live it out. And to Eve, he said, Eve, you're going to have pain in childbearing, and your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You see, in marriage in the garden, there was no better or top or bottom. There was no man over the woman. That, that is not actually what happened in, in the original garden. In fact, they were equals. Same purpose, totally agreement, a perfect team. But in fact, now there becomes this tension. Where Eve is now, God says, there's something in you that's going to try to rule over your husband. But in fact, he's going to be ruling over you. And you're going to try to rule over him. And he's going to try to rule over you. And he's going to try to, you're going to rule over him. And there's just going to be, what is this called? Marital discourse. Arguing. Tension. Fighting for first place. Married, marriage right there. You see it. Genesis 3.16. That's when we find male patriarch society come in. We find desire to fight in a marriage to fight out who's leading control and judgment comes in so we lost our reason for being we lost our relationship and lastly we lost the rules earth was defined by god's perfect and pleasing will he said what marriage was he said what love was he said what it all was and then in that moment it became total anarchy total anarchy we said i'll make the rules it's about what i want it's what makes me happy do whatever you want to do as long as it don't affect anybody else do what pleases you That's what the world's motto is today, by the way. You can do anything you want to do. Just don't hurt anybody else. It's all good. That's the world's motto today. Man determines what he thinks for the world. We can define gay marriage. We can define this. We can define what prayer is. We can define what God is. We can define what good is. And we say, who are you to judge me? All these things came in the fall. And like arrogant little children, we try to take the place of God in our lives. And we try to take on evil by ourselves. We came up against evil and said, we got this. I can fight sin. I can fight temptation. I can do marriage on my own without God. I can face alcohol on my own without God. I can face sex on my own without God. I can do all these things because I am good enough. I got something. I can live life like I want to live. I can make the money I want to make. I can have the marry who I want to make. I can live where I want to live, do what I want to do, be who I want to be because I am awesome. That's what we say. We don't speak it out in the streets, but every single one of us in this room today who hear this message is saying the same thing. In our innate nature, we lost our reason for being. We lost our relationship. We lost our rules. Let me tell you the good news, though. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. There's good news in the garden. And good news means gospel. There's a gospel message in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Look there. God curses the serpent and he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. You shall bruise him on the hill. Then God then makes this first sacrifice. He clothes Adam and Eve, and He sends them out of the garden so they will not be eternally damned by eating the tree of life. And He puts them out and gives them a time to repent, a time to come to Him. And He would give mankind a chosen time. And Paul says that there was a secret plan from the very beginning in Romans. He said from the very beginning, God had a secret plan. That plan is Jesus Christ. And that plan is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. What he was saying prophetically then, there is going to come a day when the seed, the descendant of this woman, which we know would come through Mary, would be a man, a seed who would take on the evil that had been brought into the world. And while he would be bruised and hurt, he would crush the enemy. And in that moment, Jesus Christ would come on the earth as the Logos, the one who spoke the world in existence, to speak again into new hearts, into new lives, and bring new life into the world again. And that good news, and when he came down to this earth, he began to, he broke the curse of sin. He brought relationship with God again, death to resurrection. And uh, Paul says, that though Adam's sin brought condemnation to everyone, Christ's one act, his one act of righteousness would bring us right relationship with God again. And here, now follow me, What, what happened in the curse? We lost our reason, we lost our relationship, we lost the rules. Watch what Jesus Christ does. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, this is so good. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burdens light. How do you get back what was once lost? Trust the word of God again. Adam and Eve doubted the word of God. Trust the word of God again. Jesus comes on the scene. He says, guess what? You lost your reason for being. You lost your relationship with me and with each other. You lost the rules. But guess what? You are hiding in the trees, naked and ashamed, alone and without the presence of God. You had lost the Sabbath day of rest with your father. You were hidden without a hope, without a care, separated from God, unable to find where you were weary and weak and burdened by work without the presence of God and no sense of peace in your life. He says, but come on out of the trees. Come on out of the trees and come to me if you're weak and heavy laden and I will give you the rest for not just your bodies, your mind, but your soul. The things your very nature longs for, I'm here to give it. I'm here to call you out from darkness back into light, from death back into life again and give you a purpose and a hope. And he says, not only that, but if you, you were lost under your own rules and your own power, but if you just take my yoke Take my reins. Take my authority. And under my authority, yes, there's going to be some rules. There's going to be some do's and don'ts. There's going to be some things I'm going to tell you to forgive and move on. I'm going to tell you to love and love your enemies. But when you get my authority, oh, it's so good. It's so good. You live not only in my authority and under my authority, but now you get to use it. Adam lived under the authority of God with a privileged place of position and power in the presence of God. Somebody ought to write that down. But he lived in the place of God's authority and power, a privileged place of position and power in the presence of God. And what Jesus Christ did, he says, if you'll come and you'll humble yourself to me, come out of the trees, come get restored, come get peace, come find rest. You'll not only come under my authority, but you'll have authority to do the work I've called you to do. Adam had authority to name all the animals, to be a good steward of God's earth, to do all the things God had called him to do if he simply worshipped and obeyed. And today, if you'll come out of the trees from hiding from God, you'll recognize it in my own, I'm weak and I'm weary, I'm burdened by the work of this world, I'm coming out of separation from God, I'm calling, the Logos of God is speaking again in my life, I'm going to come out boldly and unashamed and say, God, I know that I don't have it all together, God, I know that I need you, Lord, I'm going to come home running, and I'm going to say, God, I submit to your authority, and he's going to say, yes, receive my rest, receive my identity, receive my purpose, receive my relationship again come with me I'm Lord of the Sabbath come into my place of rest again take my yoke come and learn from me I am humble and gentle you thought I was a Lord who's going to beat you with a stick and say you're no good and send you to hell but if you come under my authority not only do you submit to me and find my rest but I'm going to send you out as a good steward as one who's empowered to do a purpose that I've called you to do Whew. Return to his reason for being. Return to his reason for being. You are not sufficient to direct your life. It's not in your ability to direct your own life. Jeremiah said it's not in the steps of a man to order his steps. It's not in the wisdom of a man to order his steps. You'll never find more purpose and identity than in Jesus Christ. Let God again be the source of your life. Henry Cloud said it this way. He said to be a new creation means you no longer try to be the creator. I love that. To be a new creation means you no longer try to be the creator. You're made in His image. God's role is to be the source. Your role is to depend on the source. Return to His reason for being. Return, number two, to His definition for relationship. He says, love God, love everybody else as yourself. Love. You've got to come back to what God says. If you're outside of His boundaries, you're into the wrath of God. But in His boundaries, in His authority... He says, love God, have this place in your heart, your soul, your mind, where God is your first in everything, and let love define your relationship. You can't be in this triune relationship with God and others and not have love. There's got to be, again, uh, complete unity with your spouse, complete unity with your family, complete unity within the body of Christ. And you're always in this world trying to compare ourselves. We're always trying to judge what is fair. We're always trying to control others to determine what they should do and not do. But if you want to live free, if you want to have sacrificial love, you have to have unconditional forgiveness. These are all required. So we've got to stop controlling others, give up judging our spouses, give up controlling our spouses and our brothers and sisters in Christ to receive and walk in God's love. And if you're going to fight for something in marriage, like they said Adam and Eve were fighting for who would rule one another, if you're going to fight in marriage, Jesus would say, fight for last place. The first shall be last. You want to have a healthy marriage? Fight for last place. Fight to serve. No, honey, no, this is what you want to do. Honey, no, I want to do what you want to do, honey. No, no, let's do what you want to Fight for last place if you're going to fight for something. Return to his definition for relationship and lastly, return to his rules. Paradise does not mean you can do what you want. Being a Christian does not mean you can do what you want, when you want, how you want. If you want to come out of the trees and come to God, you've got to take his yoke. You've got to come, and Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. If you want to live in the peace and the security of the Sabbath day, in the rest of God, in the peace of God that controls and guards your mind in Christ Jesus... And when you can be in a prison like Paul in your life and you can say rejoice again, I say rejoice in the Lord always. If you want to be like that, that's returning to that Sabbath day that says no matter what, me and God are right here. We're good. I'm resting in Him despite the winds and the waves of this world. God is a God of second chances. God knows what's good for you and He's inviting you back to the garden. He's opened back up this ancient way, but you've got to choose to walk in it. You've got to come out of the trees and end this blind self-sufficiency. You've got to stop rejecting the Word of God and let God be God in you. And if we were uncreated in the fall, we've got to be recreated, born again, alive in Christ. So are you weak and weary today? Are you struggling in bad relationships? Are you struggling with things that are beyond your realm of control, beyond your security? Are you insecure in your own identity, in your own body image, in your own relationships? All the things of the world are so evident of the fall. God is just saying, come to me. Just come to me. I give you rest again. Come take my yoke. Receive my rest. Let's let's pray this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Father, this morning, God, your word is so awesome. God, your word is so awesome. Lord, that we would be a people. Who are we? Who is man that you are mindful of him? God, that you would do this for us. We lost it all trying to gain what we could not have, Lord God. And Father, we still in that fight today, even those of us who are believers, God, we still fight against that old man, that old flesh that is fighting for first place, fighting to have more, God, Fighting to compare, Lord. We compare our spouses. We judge our spouses. We judge our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we try to lord things over other people. God, we, we, we get offended, oh God. But Father, today, wash it all away. Wash it all away. Hurting hearts, broken hearts. People have been broken by failed marriages, God. People have been broken by bad relationships, God. People have been broken by uh, addictions, God. We've been broken by things and regrets of the past. But God, wash it away. Wash it away today, Holy Spirit. Come in this place. God, see every broken heart, every weary heart today, God. Those who are overworked, God, finding trying to get along in this life, trying to earn a living, God. Give them rest, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come in this place. Give us rest again. God, we're weak, we're weary. Our bodies are failing. Life is weary, God. Give us rest again. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. God, if we are in authority in our own life, if there's areas of our life where we're in authority of, God, We say we're in control of this. We've been trying to determine something we want to do, God. We've been holding on to grudges, God. We've been holding on to things, God. We've been defining our life by money or materials or, God, but what we look like. God, we submit, Lord. Be Lord of our life. Come to you. Come to you humble, God. Lord, forgive us of our sin. Purify us of all unrighteousness. Jesus be the Lord. Jesus be Lord. Maybe you need to say that today. There's an area in your life, and you just say, "God be Lord of that area. God be in control of that area. I give that area to you. Maybe it's your whole heart. Maybe today you want to make that declaration to give your whole life to Christ. It doesn't come because you come to an altar or because you raise your hand, it comes because right now, right here, you say, "God, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord, I step out of the trees. God, I come to you, Lord, I'm, I'm ashamed, God, I, I'm undone, I'm weak, I'm weary. But God, I, I know you've got good things for me. You're gracious, God, loving God, gentle and humble of heart. Would you come today? Would you come today? If that's you, wherever you are, whatever your thing is in your life, maybe it's hurting hearts, maybe it's weariness, maybe it's loneliness, maybe there's addictions, maybe there's sin issues in your life, Jesus is just saying, come. Would you come? Hallelujah. To the throne of grace.